Welcome to the 38th edition of the Guna podcast, recorded in November on a Monday evening after the 4-1 victory away to Wolves. And as always, uh, seems to be the way, we're about to embark on another international break. I'm your new host, Joe Broadfoot, taking over from the Lord Admiral, a.k.a. Lord Ashburton, who has regretfully decided to leave the ship and hang up his microphone at this stage in his uh, naval career. Our sponsors are Vision Sports Publishing. They've published both Arsenal, the making of a modern super club, and The Pocket Book of Arsenal, both coincidentally authored by our very own Kevin Witcher. So, who's on the panel this evening? Well, to start with, the Gooners' very own goalkeeping guru, Mr. David Udo. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, Mr. Broadfoot. Good evening to you and good evening to one and all. And secondly, we um, have to mention, in a big way, because he turned down the opportunity to attend the gig this evening, so we weren't left on our own with just a panel of two people, Mr Mark Ollington. Hello there, and welcome, Joe, to our lovely and loyal crew. Welcome aboard. I feel very much aboard at the moment. I'm ship shape and not seasick just yet. Obviously, I'm very upset the Admiral has gone, but... You're here, so in a way you lose one thing, but joy is always around the corner in another form. If only I had the rank of the Admiral. But finally... Time. Time. (laughs) The great healer. (laughs) And finally, a man with a busy week ahead, as he has to put together issue 200 of the Guna, an 80-page edition, no less, our esteemed editor, Mr Kevin Witcher. Good evening, listeners, and welcome aboard, Mr Broadfoot. Thank you very much. And without further ado, let's start with the media, who are beginning to describe Arsenal as genuine title contenders. Is that a good or a bad thing at this relatively early stage of the season? Well, what, what do you say on that, Mark? Oh, over to me first. That is a shock, because normally they always come to me last because my comments are inane. No, um, <laughs> But wait a minute, on the script it said you, so <laughs> don't Joe, blame me on this. I like you already. It's great. You're coming to me first. Brilliant. Me and you, mate, would be great pals. Um, well, yes, over to me for my incisive comments. In a way, I think it can be negative, and the reason is the beauty of Arsenal, and the beauty of us is, especially with Wenger, when people aren't watching us, we're like little kind of sloths or little um, stealth bombers in the darkness. With a dark horse coming up on the rails. Yeah, it's quite nice not to be in that media glare. When you've got mugs like Alan Hansen saying Arsenal aren't there, when you fall for match of the day every single week, that's not a bad thing. When the spotlight's not shining down on you, like Elvis Presley's comeback special, it is a good thing. Sadly, the more goals we score, the more scintillating our play is, the more incisive our goals become, the more the world gets excited by the Arsenal flair, the more the media spotlight glares down. And I think when that starts to happen, mistakes can occur. So to answer your question, 
I do feel as if it's not always positive, but can our team cope with it? Can Are they the boys, now the men? Yes, they are. So, in a nutshell, it could be bad, but I think we've got the strength to burst on through. So, despite their age, do you think the boys are men, David? What do you say on that? Um, well, the proof will be in eating the pudding at the end of May, I think. Um, sorry, the voice of doom here before <laughs> is, we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. You know, what does it matter? Um, no, no, they're, they're, they've stepped up. Um, you know, players who a couple of years ago were, were written off by all and sundry have, have stepped up to the mark. Um, a lot of the younger players are, are just a year older and a year wiser. I mean, Danielson, before he got injured, was looking better and better with every game. Alex Song has become one of the first names on the team sheet. Thomas Marlins slotted into the team wonderfully well. And, um, well, you know, if, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And at the moment, based on what we've seen so far, these kids are, are very much good enough. Um, uh, admittedly, we, we haven't really played anyone since the, um, uh, the double teaming uh, in Manchester. Uh, back in back in September time, but um, you know you can only play the opposition that's put in front of you, and every opposition that has been put in front of us over the last few weeks for scoring three and four goals against. So um, you know if if we if we keep it up for the remainder of the season, then um, then that's great. But I'm I'm somewhat upset we now have this ridiculous and needless international break, which which interrupts our flow. And I mean to be honest, I'd, I'd want to play Chelsea. ASAP rather than having to wait another three weeks. It's so typical. The international break comes along when you're on a roll. But um, one player who some people say has not been on a roll this season is uh, Abu Dhabi. Well, he's um, been rolled out to the treatment room for a while. But, I mean, Kevin, what do you think of Abu Dhabi's form this season? Do you think he merits a place in the team? Because a lot of people say that he, shouldn't, he should be on the bench, perhaps, but not, not a regular first-team starter. I, th- I think uh, it's quite typical that uh, Wenger sees things in players that we don't, and um, I suppose his argument now would be uh, we were slagging off Alex Song not so long ago. Um, That's very true. Diaby will turn into um, a decent player. To me, he's a loose cannon. He can do absolutely wonderful things one moment and then total park football things the next. Um, I mean, I think his, his strength is he's so unpredictable, but part of that is I don't think he knows what he's doing himself. Um, I mean, I, I, on Saturday against Wolves, along with many others, thought we looked much better when he when he had to go off. because And the scoreline suggested that too, didn't well, it? Well, yeah. It I mean, was it coincidental yeah. that suddenly Wolves weren't in the game once our formation looked a bit more settled with Song? In, in his normal role and Ramsey uh, attacking instead um, I'd suggest not um, to be honest I mean God knows what goes on in Arsene Wenger's mind the only thing you can say is that uh, he has produced a team that plays some pretty wonderful football at the moment uh, granted they can't defend and whether or not that's going to be significant we won't know um, until until May, but we we might get a, a clue in the end of November when we do play Chelsea. Um, it's 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 an act of faith. Abu Dhabi is a classic example of you've got to believe in some things that don't make sense and, and hope that they turn out right. Um, but frankly, um, the team is a lot stronger without him in my book. Each team though has to have a player that's really bad that you can slag off. Why? It's, it's, it's the rules. Yeah. Every single team, however good they actually are, there's always one player the fans don't like. You have to have it. 
That, that is the rules of football. Roberto, <laughs> in a double-winning <laughs> save, no one liked, liked him, really. Nowadays, we look back and, oh, wasn't he a brilliant player? Back in the day, we hated the fella. Yeah, you go back to Kevin Richardson back in the uh, 89 team, or you go to David Hillier, or, you know... In the I don't know if it was quite team. as unanimous on Gilberto. We were, everyone got... hated him, apart from one or two, most yeah. people thought that Gilberto was He was certainly was a boo-boy. He was. was certainly a boo-boy. Whereas, like, you know, now years have rolled past, oh, I always loved Gilberto. No, <laughs> you freaking didn't. Each team <laughs> has a player we don't like. Yeah. Right the problem with the, the, the difference between Gilberto and Diaby is that Gilberto did an unfashionable job amongst the team of of other top quality footballers and he certainly weren't a loose cannon either no I mean you knew what you were going to get you just knew that it was going to be incredibly unspectacular and you know uh, you know he was a midfield player who couldn't pass the ball five yards is the bottom line the thing with Diaby is I, I can't I can't agree with with Kevin Moore actually is that he's incredibly unpredictable I mean you see the the goal he scored, uh, he scored last week was taken with a plum and finished incredibly well. Um, you know, there's been several times during his, his nascent Arsenal career where he's he's taken the ball out on his un, his unfavoured position out on the left side of midfield, cut inside, gone past three players, and unleashed a rifle into the top corner. But David, can I ask and, you at this point, what is his favoured position? Because I've heard a lot of a lot of dispute about that. Uh, it's a, it's we thought a he's a defensive question. midfielder at one stage, and, um, and now everyone's backtracking on that, saying no, 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 he's an attacking midfielder. But he, is he? I, I think he's an attacking central midfield player. Um, maybe he's he's one of these these inside forwards that Wenger seems to favour, along with Nasri, Rizitsky, Kleb in the past. Um, someone who's not quite a forward, not quite your stock midfield player. He, he's like Aaron Ramsey. He's a, he, he's a potential replacement for Cesc Fabregas. But whereas Ramsey can stick his foot in uh, and will cover every blade of grass, Diaby, for all his so-called physicality, which is a, a trait that Wenger seems to favour so much, I don't think I've ever seen the guy successfully tackle an opposition footballer. I mean, he's, he successfully tackled Sami Nasri in pre-season <laughs> and broke the guy's leg. Um, but I, 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 I don't see what, what his, his role in the team is. I mean, with the, with the unpredictability, I, I think it's summed up best um, when we were away at West Ham the other week. Um, and uh, I think it was West Ham when the corner came in and he didn't know when to jump and he very nearly headed it in for his second top corner own goal of the season uh, before the middle of October. Um, if we put him on the transfer market tomorrow, I'm certain Bolton would be in, in a second. Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool would not. But Mark, would Bolton come in for a guy that's as good in the air as uh, Diaby? Because I know Arsene Wenger <laughs> did mention <laughs> that he is good in the air. Um, I was quite bemused when I wrote read those comments I mean he has got his abilities I'm not detracting completely from Diaby because I don't think I think he would get into most teams to be honest you in the Premier that, League but I hate to agree with David and Ken mm. here because you know I don't have to be the optimist and I do believe that every team needs a bad player but having said that even though he scored that brilliant goal against AK Alka-Seltzer last week mm. I could probably could be at the end of that fantastic move and slot the goal and I'm rubbish at football I think our team has got so many great flair players and players that can pass the ball so fantastically well that the RB can look brilliant one moment but I can't see what Wenger sees in it I'm normally the biggest Wenger apologist in the entire world but with the RB I'd chip him out straight away I really would he's the only player in our squad even Abue has his plus points as daft as they possibly are but I really can't see the point of DRB in any kind of way and you're right Bolton would buy for 5 million probably like you know even a team like Villa would come in for DRB but I really don't see the point of him at Arsenal Football Club the other thing to remember is this is his fifth season at the football club I think I'm correct in saying is that he joined in the Christmas mm. of the last year at Highbury and this, uh, this is the fourth year at the new stadium um, 
and the guy, if anything, has regressed. I mean, I remember when he came into the uh, the team at the back end of the 2006 season intermittently, uh, he did look like a young powerhouse. He got the ball and he mm. travelled and he knocked three people. Okay, we were playing a straightforward 4-4-2 then. Um, and we now play this, this well, it's 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, whatever you like. Um, Which looks more like a 4-5-1, I've argued with a few people about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's four yeah. and six attackers in whatever, in, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. formation you fancy, essentially. Um, the guy, um, you know, like uh, a dead epileptic, doesn't fit. Mm. Uh, and, you know, thanks, Abu, your, yeah. your, your time is up. And I apologise for the quality of that joke, not necessarily the subject matter. <laughs> I find it quite funny. Thank you, Mark. That's all right. So, uh, Kevin, who would you who would you put in your midfield three, or you know, in my book, it's a midfield five because I think the attackers do a lot of defending. Well, if everyone's fit, I would um, have Song, Fabregas, and Nasri as the midfield, on the basis that Nasri can um, do a little bit of defensive work, certainly as much as any other player that. Uh, can play there, even Danielson, who, who I think is overrated. Um, and in attack, I would have uh, Arshavin, Van Persie, and Rosicki. Those would be mine, with a strong bench, uh, people like Bentner and Walcott and Eduardo. Um, so, you know, basically, I've gone for quality mm. and a bit of experience. Because um, a lot of these players, I mean, you know, a lot of them are around 24, 25, 26 now. And they've played in World Cups. They, some of them have played for other teams in Europe, playing in Champions League, not just with Arsenal. Um, and in a way, you know, it's supposed to be a young team, but just just with the passage of time, um, a lot of these players now have been around a while. They've played in tournaments. You know, even someone like Alex Song has played in, in you know, uh, African Cup of Nations a couple of times. Um, quite a few premiership seasons even though he hasn't played all the time also in his fifth season at the club yeah so I mean they're not so young anymore um, and in a way I mean what Wenger's relying on is that they are coming to their peak um, soon and that they're going to stay at that peak for five or six years because if this team does stay together and he manages to hang on to the likes of Fabregas then there is every chance they could have a period of sustained success like which we haven't seen since 2002 to 2005. In theory, that's, that's very possible, because when you think of it, they're all young and they're all growing up through these disappointments together. But, but one thing I've been hearing lately is about the African Cup of Nations and how that's going to um, affect, affect the team, particularly well, with Alex Song being in such good form. I mean, the song in a how do you replace him? Um, it's, we, we, that's the big question for the manager. He's, he's basically, if Cameroon make the final, he's, he's, he's gone for the whole of January. He misses four league matches and four cup matches. Well, it's a questionable whether he'd even play in the cup matches. I'm not even worried about Abue's absence, frankly, because as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, he's a cult hero, but he's not actually a particularly good player, uh, even now. He can do a job at right back, but uh, I, I find his possession uh, football isn't that great, certainly not to the standard of most of his teammates. So songs the songs the loss. Um, can but, he get away with mm. him not being around for four matches? Will he buy a player on the strength of that? I suspect he'll play Danielson. I think you're right. I think he will play Danielson. Yeah, um, if you look at January, the start of the month's quite kind to us. Uh, not as kind as it is to Chelsea, who, despite the fact they have a huge African contingent, 
I think their fixture list in Chelsea uh, in January includes Melchester Rovers, mm-hmm. Debenhams, um, mm-hmm. and uh, East Finchley under nines. Um, my worry is if we do get to the end of the month and Cameroon is still in the competition, we play Cho- uh, Manchester United, Chelsea, and Liverpool in, in subsequent weeks. Um, and let's be frank, that's the three or four weeks where our title challenge will be won or lost. And now that Song has become almost irreplaceable, purely because we don't have strength and depth in that position in the first team squad, he has become almost irreplaceable. And you know, you hope Denilson gets back and you know, continues the 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 rise in quality and form that I was probably seeing through slightly rose-tinted glasses at the start of the season as we didn't buy the, the central midfield player we, we a lot of us thought that we needed. Um, if, if he doesn't, then yeah, we are going to be slightly short in that position. It's OK if he's short against Hull, but being short against Manchester United, I don't fancy it. But what about the other teams like Chelsea? They're going to be harder hit by the African well, Nations Cup. Well, they've got a much out. deeper squad. Kelly. That's the one thing about Chelsea. They they can buy a very strong bench uh, simply because they're throwing money around. And it looks like they're going to be throwing money around in January as well simply because they're worried they won't be able to after that. Um, So They do have an easy fixture list as well, Chelsea. Let's do our bench because our bench can look remarkably strong. We've got players like Nazri and Rezeki and Eduardo Mm. and it could be Benoit, all, all that bench players. The problem with our bench is it's full of absolutely top-notch players, but they're all forwards, pretty much. Mm. We're all pretty much attacking. And it is that one position, that central midfield position where we're sorely lacking, which is the one place where we're going to lose in the African Cup. Mm. Well, interestingly, I think our squad's actually very, very deep, but it's just that central midfield role where we're lacking. It's that one... Well, it's not deep at centre-back, frankly, either. Well, I think that's because of Juru being injured, to be fair. No one could have... You I, know, I, I think, think I agree with Mark. I think the manager took a punt on Johan Juru being... Um, uh, a centre back who can come in, in in terms of quality and height as much as anything else, and him getting a well, a, a supposedly surprise injury, but he was carrying it going into that international break. I seem to remember. Uh, I think that's kind of backfired, and he's kidding himself yeah. that he's got two. Inter- well, he does have two international centre halves, <laughs> but you know, uh, lest we forget, Francis Jeffers is an international centre forward technically. Mm. Um, Would you feel confident if Senderos comes into the back four? Probably more so than Silvestra. Mm. Um, that's not particularly saying very much, but I think it depends what I'm game. I think with Senderos, uh, Arsenal show his first stint here. He had some brilliant, brilliant games. Mm. But as we all know, the games against Drogba totally undermined his confidence. But having, having said that, there's a lot worse centre backs than Senderos. My problem lies with their ex Man United idiot. Mm. I think it's totally you should not be at the football club. But are there worse? Are there worse um, centre backs at uh, the top four clubs that, than Senderos? Yes, but not other Silvestra. than Silvestre. No, there's not. No, it's not no. worse than Sylvester. No, I think he's the, at any top six club, is worse. I can't think of a worse than half. But did you think Sylvester was that bad when he was at Manchester United? Uh, I was, was never displeased when he was in their lineup. <laughs> I, I thought Freddie's going to tear him a new one. Mm. He never played regularly for United. I mean, he was a utility man. Um, and I do remember watching Champions League matches, uh, I think it was against Deportivo, when between him and Bartes, they gave. Uh, the Spanish team at least two goals uh, simply through lack of understanding even though they're both French you know um, I mean I I don't I don't really I think he was a desperation buy frankly I think Wenger was short on centre-backs he didn't have any money and he speaks the lingo yeah well 
any good whatsoever there is no way on God's green earth Alex Ferguson would have let him sign for a top four rival in fact who did we mm. beat off to buy him was it Milan was it Barcelona or was it Manchester City before well, the money to be, and Middlesbrough yeah. don't oh, Middlesbrough and Middlesbrough <laughs> I forgot about Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So go back to our point with regards to cover in the centre of the park in that holding role. Uh, Craig Eastman has travelled with the first team for the last two matches, and although he didn't make the 18, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we if we see a bit more of him between now and the end of the calendar year. About what about uh, Francis Coquelin? It appeared that he's been leapfrogged by by mm. Eastman on the back of. Um, uh, the kids' performance against Liverpool in the league league cup, where I thought he was very very impressive. Um, for a kid who I think has spent most of his formative footballing education at Arsenal playing at right fullback, mm. uh, I think he, he started the season playing in the holding role next to either Coquelin or Frimpong for the for the reserves. Uh, and you know, Wenger Wenger backs himself, and he obviously sees something uh, in in this kid from Wandsworth over to um, uh, two francophone players. So. Mm. Uh, if Wenger's promoting English, uh, and, you know, based on the criticisms that are normally le- levied at us in the sensationalist press, you know, I'm willing to see what this kid's got. It and must what? be Paul Gascoigne, frankly, <laughs> yeah. if he's managed to leapfrog uh, some foreign lads, but uh, <laughs> in terms of quality, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is astonishing if, uh, I mean, it's almost astonishing if any English player gets a chance. Um, I mean, I read somewhere that. Wenger's got this opinion that once you're 20 that's you, you know, you're, you're a man and that's the man you're going to be when you're 20 years old, so for example you know, David Bentley uh, Jermaine Pennant, those type of players, you know he didn't fancy their personalities I fear for Jack Wilshire because I suspect he's got that type of English laddish personality which the manager isn't actually going to like, so despite him being a brilliant potential footballer um, he will end up getting getting sold. Um, what has actually happened to Jack Wilshire? Because everybody he's asked me, and then well, it's just gone so quiet. You just don't even hear anything yeah, about I him. Mean, he'll probably be alone at. Uh, I mean, normally you hear they've got a chest infection or something. Yeah, you know, think, even though it's he, lies, I think you hear something. A Manuel Almunia type diplomatic injury. I mean, by all accounts, I believe what Kev has just said is right is that his attitude's not quite there I mean I know, I know he did one of the Nike TV adverts that we, we see on the big screen before games at the start of the season uh, much to the chagrin of the manager uh, who who wanted to wrap him in cotton wool and protect him in the way that, that Ferguson did with Ryan Giggs in his mm. formative years um, as the fact tales of um, last year's FA Youth Cup run uh, I heard away at um, Sunderland he apparently had a stinker got subbed with 20 minutes to go uh, and went straight to the changing rooms got changed and demanded that mum and dad drive him back home to Hitchin that night um, yeah. before the, the start of the game and uh, it's well, odd if, if, you're, if you're Jay Bothroyd who ultimately isn't going to be any better than Coventry yeah the, the club can make a stand and, and boot you out and show them how noble they are and, uh, and so proud of footballing values but if you've got you know potential huge sell on value or the potential to be the greatest player of your generation you find the club will be a little bit more lenient um, I think uh, what's also changing is the UEFA rules on the squads. It does appear that gradually um, teams are going to have to use more and more homegrown players. And what defines a homegrown player at the moment seems to be that they're with the club from the age of 16. Hence, 
you know, the likes of Cesc Fabregas would qualify because they got him when he was that age. Um, but then again, there's there's moves being made to stop youngsters going abroad in this kind of fashion. So, uh, in a way, you might find in about five years' time, the situation is that Arsenal are forced to have, let's say, nine or ten English-born players in their 25 for UEFA competitions. And with that in mind, in a sense, Wenger's hand may be being forced, um, unless he can continue to get hold of 16-year-olds from Europe, because he certainly can't get them from uh, South America because of work permit reasons. Um, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing, because I quite like the idea of a team in any country having an identity which uh, is tied in with that country. You know, I like the idea of Italian teams having Italian players and Spanish teams having Spanish players. Um, Now, Arsenal are the exception to that. Um, Chelsea haven't actually got many English players, if you look at it really in depth. But, uh, you know, I, I... I think a lot of Arsenal fans feel that they would identify more with the group of players if there were more English um, prospects coming through and being used. The likes of a Ray Parler, a Tony Adams, a David Rocastle, and Mickey Thomas. You know, because you can relate to these guys. It's more difficult to relate to, you know, Abu Dhabi or Emmanuel Abue just because of the cultural difference. And that's not can you care though? Can you re- re- relate to players like John Terry or Frank Lampard earn a hundred grand a week? That's kind of around like the biggest chads on the planet. Are they any more easy to like? You've got to remember the Chelsea audience are also chads, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so on that level, yes. So um, would you say Bentley? Say for example, when he was at us, if we'd have kept David Bentley, the big Barry, big bananas type dude, very much Flash Harry type, similar to your John Terry's and your Lampards. Yeah, could you identify more with the culture of the club? Yeah. Say any more than Sammy Nazari? Yes. Is this your answer to that? I think the fans would, and that's one of the reasons they're so desperate for Theo to succeed, just because he's English. And the irony is about him that he is anything but a chav, and that's the reason Wenger likes him, because he's 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 obviously been very strictly brought up, and uh, he's not going to say boo to the goose. He's not going to be caught with the line of Charlie, you know, yeah. on the on, on the toilet seat. So, um, but isn't that part of the reason that we like Theo so much? I mean, generally well, speaking, well, I think it's just that he's English. Yeah. I really do. I, I think personality-wise, he's, he's dull as ditch water. And- Spends his lifetime dressed in his Arsenal robes. Oh, Theo. Spends his lifetime feeding his spurs, don't you know? Oh, Theo. The fact he's English, we're forgiven for anything because we just want an English. But he's a trier. Arsenal. I have to say, the reason I like him is on the pitch, he tries his hardest. I tell you what, Joe, you stick me in an Arsenal shirt and I'll try harder than the rest of those fuckers put together, but <laughs> I will still be fucking useless. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Yeah, but I don't think Theo's useless, to be fair. No, you don't hear me. Better than useless. A hat trick. A hat trick for England <laughs> is not the worst. <laughs> Fluke. It's not the worst. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you can only say fluke for so I'm long. I'm glad you enjoyed us, Joe, in that yeah. regard, mate, because seriously, yeah. listen to this lot, especially when 
Mr. Highbury Spice here. It's like Theo Walcott is a, is a Hitler. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love Theo Walcott. He, I think he's he's got the potential to uh, to be a huge player for club and country. But if if he was if he was French. Uh, I believe Arsenal fans would have lost patience with him already. That may um, be so. That may be so. But I'm just I saying. Think, uh, no, yeah, no, he no. does try. Tries hardest, and it's not only that. He has. He's got blistering pace, so he's got those two things going for him um, in yeah. terms of skill. Yeah, Roach, he could he's, be better. He could be the better. One bit of pace in a squad that is mm. really, really quite devoid of it. So yeah. you know, I, I think the guy's uh, the guy is a, a fundamental squad player. And, you know, going back to a point I made earlier about if, if DRB was on the market tomorrow, where would he go? I think if Walcott went on the market tomorrow, he'd have everybody, all the other big boys come straight in for him. As the, you know, the, the potential there is staggering. Yeah, because you have to pay for that kind of pace. I mean, mm. he gets, it makes chances. It makes a bad pass into a good pass. If you knock the ball over the top and Theo's onto it, well, who knows what might happen. He's maybe not Henri in terms of his skill level, but he's still, he's still young and, um, you know, it's great. it's great to have some some Brits there as well so maybe that's part of the reason as uh, as Kevin put it that a lot of fans well said Joe yeah nah, and what about Aaron Ramsey he's a Brit so um, yeah, well, how I are you think thinking the same applies yeah. I think people are always pleased when he comes on which is what normally happens uh, they want him to succeed uh, equally and he he is another one that um, looked to be absolutely outstanding at uh, sort of 16, 17 then had a bit of a dip and now it's whether or not he's going to come back and uh, signs are fairly encouraging I mean after the game against Cardiff in the FA Cup a lot of people thought oh this isn't actually going to work out but it, it was a bit of a one-off and uh, I mean I, I've heard that basically he, he was bought as insurance for Fabregas leaving um, despite his youth um, but Wenger obviously sees him as that type of player it's interesting to see that against Wolves he started him in the Alex Thumb positions presumably thinking that he's got a bit of a tackling game to him and how do you think he adjusted to that well I think his, his one performance is too early to say I don't think he looked that bad but the team didn't look cohesive now that might be because they're just looking to a different individual there and he's not taking up quite the same positions so there may be a period of adaptation necessary um I, mean, I just think it's a team thing. I'm not blaming Ramsey for us being poor against Wolves in the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, but at the same time, it shows you that uh, when you do change things around, an element of familiarity is lost. And that's when you call more on the intuitive, more experienced players to be able to adapt. I don't think Ramsey's football intelligence is there yet. But he is only what is it? Eighteen. 18. You know, I mean, give him four years, yeah. he might be right there. I mean, he looks a good player, though, Kev. When he comes on, yeah. you know, I know he often comes on when we say three one up or something like that. But he always looks the part. Yeah, no, I'm not, not, I'm not knocking him. I'm not knocking but him. defensively, he's a little bit suspect. Would you say with his that, back that, passes, for I, instance? I don't think he, it's necessary liability. I think I think the kid's eighteen years old and he's a naturally attacking player. Yeah. And it's it's Wenger's insistence of trying to fit square pegs into round holes again and. Uh, the 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 like for like replacement in his head for uh, for Song is Danielson. Danielson's unavailable, so as far as he's concerned, his players are good enough as footballers. Therefore, they should be able to play anywhere on the pitch. I mean, he always maintained that Thierry Henry will, you know, in his later years, turn into a fine centre half. As although his pace might go, his footballing brain is such that he could fit in anywhere uh, anywhere on the pitch. And 
it's it's interesting. Veng is very good at. at, at he, he's a lot of things he's not a stupid man he's good at picking his games if you are going to rest Song uh, and give Ramsey a go you do it against Wolves a team where we're going to get relegated with less than 30 points um, because you know, even if you do go a goal down you've got enough firepower to score four back um, you say that though I mean I thought that Wolves game could be a potential stoke of last season it potentially had the, all the makings of an Arsenal upset and the team of last year could easily have lost that game, you know. So even though you're right in the sense that you could risk a player like, like that, that game could easily have been lost, you know. The, the Arsenal of last year could have, have like lost that. that oh, match. I agree. How do you I, mean? Because it was up sort of north no, and it was no, away. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wenger said actually, I was trying to find out why yeah. we always have those bad months when it gets yeah. like this time of year. Mm. And Wenger said I think it was when like, you know, the players show the first times of getting tired and fatigue. Yeah. It's when like, you know... Didn't uh, you think that was quite strange that he came out and said, oh, November's a really awful time of year. Was that to that, get everyone no, on, on point? Proof, he wants them to get mm. back, back, back up for it. Mm. And the fact that the matter is, is that in years gone by in these games away from home against teams that grind out results or put 10 players behind the ball, we've come unstuck. I think mm. it was Stoke last year when we lost 2-1 wasn't it mm. or something like mm. that so this game could have gone actually tits up and the fact that he risked Ram- Ram- like Ramsey says a lot about the player and Wenger's belief in him actually the centre backs against Stoke last year I think were Toro and Silvestre um, yeah that's right and he, he deliberately picked what I would describe as a, a physical midfield in, and he wanted players who he, he thought could, could withhold you know the tough stuff. So I think he had uh, Fabregas. I think it was Fabregas, Son, Diaby, and Danielson as his four. So not a lot of creative flair outside of Fabregas there. Um, it was a very odd lineup, and it didn't work out at all. But the squad has actually improved just through the signing of Arshivin and Vermeulen, and also the disposal of Adebayor who, with hindsight, was obviously a bad bad apple in the barrel. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I agree. It could, it could have gone the same way, but I think we're better than that now. But then Wolves are a different kind of team to Stoke in, in as much well, as... Yes well, no. you know, Mick McCarthy is... I wouldn't say he's a great manager, but he, his teams tend to play the, f- the ball on the ground mostly. They're not launching it high all the time. And, you know, Stoke, under Tony Pulis... You know, they well, are a little bit route one. Stokes' chances were... And then there's a long throw, which... Throw, yeah, but yeah. Wolves' chances were mostly from corners, I think. Yeah, that's true. And set pieces. Yeah. And but then they weren't launching the ball at every opportunity. No. But they goal came from the corner, didn't it? When they go yeah, in from, yeah. from the corner? And their chances, I think, came Well, it's always... In most corners, yeah. it's going to be a high ball, let's face it. I guess always. the point was, really, is yeah, this time mostly. of year, normally, is when we're found wanting. And mm. even when we've won doubles and titles, this time of year... We've had some bad results. The fact is, we played two games this month and won them both. I think that shows some really good signs, actually. And if we come out at the end of this month and we've got eight, nine points from it, I'll be over the moon. It'll be fantastic, and we can do it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's physically impossible to get eight points because we've got three matches. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know I mean seven or two. Okay, seven or eight. Seven or two. <laughs> can we get to How many more games you got this? Oh, Sunderland. Sunderland what about a bonus point somewhere along Sunderland the way? Sunderland Chelsea. We could, yeah, could get two more draws, couldn't we? Mm. Uh, well, we've got three now, and a draw is worth. We had two league games this, this month, haven't we? Tottenham and. Um, Tottenham was Tottenham in October. Oh, was it? Halloween. Oh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> okay. forget what I said. I, I, was, I was never here, listeners. I was never here. <laughs> 
Well, at this point, I think I better <laughs> cut things short because the maths are going out the window. So the usual reminder is, if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsors. Vision Sports Publishing for all your Arsenal book needs is Christmas time. Well, in English, that's Vision Sports Publishing. <laughs> and before we finish, a plug for the next issue of the Guna. Who better to fill us in with that than Kevin? It is an 80-page special, as was mentioned earlier, which includes um, a huge pullout of the A to Z of the Guna. A bit of reminiscence, frankly, um, and all the usual stuff. It's quite upbeat for uh, a change, this issue. I know people say it's a depressing read sometimes, but uh, not many depressing mm. pieces in it this time around. And I believe, even though it's quite a thick issue it's still going to be two pounds that's a gift to the readers from uh, our owner mr mike francis yeah, applause it goes on sale at sutherland away <laughs> and at the home games against standard liege chelsea and the first one in december at home which i think is hull or oh. stoke oh no hull's right before christmas stoke i think stoke it is yeah. is it really just two british pounds that is phenomenal value. It's great value. And in euros, that would be. Uh, we'll um, take two euros. Two euros. <laughs> two euros. <laughs> what are the crazy exchange yeah. rates going on at the moment? So, <laughs> please, um, please buy. And with that, a quick farewell from the panel, David. Thank you and good evening, viewers, Mark. listeners. Goodbye, one and all, and I hope you tune in next time for some more fun and games. And Kevin. Keep dancing. <laughs> And I'm your host, Joe Broadford. Thanks for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly good company. Hooray!